Hi everyone, and thanks for listening to Visibility, the monthly podcast produced by CID, the Council for Intellectual Disability. Here, we'll be telling our stories and exploring some of the issues that impact people with intellectual disability. To find out more about our work, visit www.cid.org.au. Now, settle in and enjoy. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Council for Intellectual Disability acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. You're listening to Visibility, the Council for Intellectual Disabilities podcast. I'm Adele, and today we'll be talking with Jack about his experiences as a person with both intellectual disability and physical disability who's relying on the services of support workers on a day-to-day basis. Welcome, Jack. How are you today? Good. How are you, Adele? I am good. I'm good. We're starting to see a little bit of sunshine, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) So, Jack, um, we're talking about different relationships in our visibility podcast. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. No worries at all. You've got a lot of experience with support workers and it would be really great to get some of your insights into that really unique relationship. So, Jack, can you just tell the listeners um, what your setup is? So maybe where where you live and and what sort of support you might need on a daily basis. So I am within a supported independent living. It's sort of like a facility in my level cool area so it's like a big complex and we um we cater for at least 20 people a day so that can be very intense with um, working out support workers with rosters and stuff because we do have a a very wide caseload Mm, that sounds like a lot. And as you say, a lot of coordination of different people. So do you, Jack, do you get a lot of say in who works with you each day? Um, to be honest with you, I don't at the moment because they do it just so um, everyone has a say. So on part of my accommodation, we have a 10-bed facility one of the part of the property. So I'm living in the 10-bed section and then they have a system that says east side or west side and um, the support workers get allocated to either east or west or up in our villa section. Wow, that that sounds like quite a setup, doesn't yes. it? And and so um, I guess this is this is a new situation for you, Jack. So um, I'm wondering if you could tell us when you do have the opportunity to choose um, your support workers, um, what sort of characteristics or what sort of you know interests or personality type do you think sort of suits you? What do you look for in a worker? I look for. Support worker who looks for ideas, namely to 
engage the people that they're supporting because there's so many in this industry, there's so many support workers who aren't engaging their clientele and and that gives the industry a bad rap because they're um, just there for the income. And I know that getting a job, depending on your situation, is hard. But at the end of the day, you do need to give these people a good quality of life because it's important because you have quality of life. Why can't the disability sector get some quality of life? Yeah, most definitely. And like I think you just pointed out, Jack, it's interesting because support work can can be an entry level job. You don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to have a a degree. You don't necessarily have to have a certificate. A lot of support workers have a certificate for in disability, um, which is which is great. Um, but th- there's not there's not that sort of um, level of necessity, is there? So I guess, Jack, um, do you find a lot of the time that you're just trying to find the things that you have in common with your support workers and trying to sort of make a relationship? Yeah, I think it's really important because you get. You do, especially in accommodation, you do um, see these people uh, like for multiple days at a time or um, with different shifts. So you like, it can't be like a, how are you going? Like, that's good. It can't be like a small talk situation because there's, Dealing with either medication, cooking, and even the most delicate of cares, um, personal care, and that might be assisting someone to go to the bathroom or putting a personal care item on that person. Yeah, which must be, I mean, that's it's an unusual relationship, isn't yeah. it? It's... um. Yeah. I mean, ordinarily, most people might be in that situation when we're in hospital or when we're at home unwell, and maybe we have a family member or a partner caring for us where we might have that sort of more intimate interaction with people. So, Jack, how do you, how do you sort of manage that, um, that strange relationship when you might have only known someone for a couple of hours and next thing off we go to the toilet or? You know, like, do you do you find that you have ways of dealing? If we go for a shower. Well, sorry. <laughs> um, I just ask them ice-breaking questions and what I've found is for me to be less awkward, I like to pump some music into my sh- showers. So I would say, all right, um, Bring my phone, bring my little Bluetooth speaker, and we'll just play some music. So that might be something from the early 2000s to the 90s to a musical soundtrack. That's a great idea. But even that can break the awkwardness because you're even bonding while you're in the shower. 
one thing, oh, I'm liking this musical. It just started to make it feel weird. Yeah. And music is a bit of a social leveler, isn't it? And if you kind of can both bop a tiny bit along to the same piece of music, there might just be that that connection, as you say, that sort of takes away from the weirdness um, that, that can occur. So, I mean, do you think, and I'm wondering about, because to me it sounds like there's a professional relationship because the person is required to support you and um, see, to, see to your requirements during that shift but also from what you're saying, you have, uh, you know, there's there's a bit of responsibility on your side to be able to make them comfortable so that you're comfortable and to try and sort of gain a connection. So what, what, what do you think, like how would you describe the relationship between um, a support worker and a person requiring that support? Um, do you think it's more professional, more like a friendship, or is it sort of something in between? Yeah, it's definitely something in between because, like, you want to keep it professional, but, like, I know for conversation piece, I say to some support workers, I say, oh, how's your mum? How's your dad? How's your dog? How's your dog? What did you get up to on the weekend? I had a support worker who recently came off a to recall that is on like how how did you enjoy your, your two week holiday? So really, I mean, you you're trying to I guess you're doing that sort of making small talk, but you're you're trying to ensure that there's a comfort level there, and you're trying to ensure also that they feel comfortable and that they feel seen. Because I mean, just those questions around how are you and how was your weekend and how's you know your family or whatever it might be, those sorts of things mean that you're interested in them as well, yes. which hopefully makes them a bit more interested yeah. in you if you have that, like, connection. And so I wonder, um, like, you know, Jack, you, you just described um, that you're in quite quite a large sort of um, home and living facility. So there must be a lot of sort of situations where you would like a bit more privacy or a bit of space. How do you negotiate that with your worker if, you know, you say – for the day, you plan to do certain things. And on that day, you think, you know what, I just need a bit of time to myself. I'd prefer to do something else or I actually just really need some privacy. How do you negotiate that with, with workers? Pre-before the um, coronavirus, I was very um, active in the way of going out and about. So when I fly around, I can say to the support workers, just going for a walk or just as something as simple of hopping to your room and just watching a, a movie on a streaming service or just listening to music and just having your own time in your room just to step away from, as you say, it's always hustle and bustle at my accommodation and you're like, whoa, this is a lot. So it's nice to come into your room or go outside and and collect your thoughts because, as we all know, that there's different shifts over the disability sector. And even though like, they do give you some leniency, 
Where, when you want to a shower, well, when you want to get out of bed and stuff, they do have certain requirements that they have to fill in a shift per day, per week. So just to step away from that and say, okay, I need a break from this because it can be a lot because you may have someone saying for like the 10th time that week, all right, Jeff, I'm not rushing you, but you have to have a shower probably in the next half an hour while if you want one or like when is your uh, pig feed finishing or even the background noises of people talking when you've got your door shut and they're really in a good conversation and you feel like I just need to step out for a minute and just be with myself. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jack. I mean, that that's, it, it sounds really difficult because when I think about it, you know, if somebody told me when I had to have a shower, hmm, I'm not sure I'd be so calm about it. And I guess it's, I guess you've had to, yeah, learn negotiation because you understand there's professional obligations with a support worker and they have to, you know, make sure that you're safe and clean and, and fed and all that sort of stuff. But there's also that um, that consideration around, well, Jack, what do you want to do? And how do you want today to look? And are you comfortable doing this? And, oh, dude, you need some time to yourself? Great. I'm, I'm going to, you know, ensure that you have that time. But it, it really sounds a lot, Jack, like it needs to come from you, that you have to kind of sort of stamp your space a little bit or kind of, you know, um, ensure your own privacy? Even working with people that you don't normally work with because in a facility like this, there is like still a high majority that hasn't worked with me. And then when, you, when you're living in a place like how big my accommodation is. It can be exhausting even explaining what your routine is and even on top of that for agency staff that comes in and floats in and out. We do have our regulars but there are some support workers that you're like, oh, I have to do it all over again. So basically you feel like you're going back to the drawing board probably multiple times um, during the week or like every like week and a half. You're just going back to the basics, six of how to do your care. Mm. Yeah, and, that's, and that sounds, yeah, that sounds quite, in, intense and, and repetitive. So, Jack, I'm really, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, we're going to take a quick break, um, but we'll be right back to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on the support worker relationship for people with intellectual disability. You're listening to Visibility, the podcast produced by the Council for Intellectual Disability. If you enjoy this episode, you can support us by reviewing us through. Apple, Podchaser, or your favourite listening app. Welcome back, everyone. 
You're listening to CID's podcast, Visibility, and today we're chatting with Jack about his relationship experience with support workers as a person with both intellectual and physical disability. So, Jack, we've been talking about what it's like to be, I guess, in a big accommodation um, as you are, having to share workers, not necessarily or always knowing or getting a choice of your workers. And sometimes, as you just mentioned before the break, you feel like you're going back to the drawing board when you have to sometimes re-explain things to people. So um, with, with that and, and that idea of turnover, I mean, how do you like how do you deal with, say, when you, you've had a you've um, been with a support worker for a little while, you guys have a really nice bond. How do you deal with the fact that, you know, people move on from their jobs and they might get new roles or get promoted? And I imagine that probably happens quite a bit. Do you just want to um, talk to us a little bit about how, how how that feels for you when when your workers move on, especially if you have a nice bond? It's really hard because you do get that special connection and you do feel sad that they're leaving. But that's the beauty of in a traditional sense when them leaving, that you can, if they allow you, you can still keep in contact via, via social media and stuff. And I had one support worker a couple of years ago who really wanted to stay in contact tap with me and cut to about six years later and we're still checking in to how each other is going and what we're doing in our lives. So that's very nice and very special to me that a support worker could easily transition me in their, to their own life. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think because, you know, as human beings, we naturally bond, hopefully. And then, and then when something as official as a change of job comes into it, you still think, well, I'd really like to spend time with you. So I'm really pleased to hear, Jack, that you're able to negotiate that sort of landscape. Um, because oftentimes people may not want to ask their support workers if they want to remain friends. They might not have the capacity to ask if they'd like to do that. And certainly um, I think that sometimes support workers might feel a bit uncomfortable because they're like, oh, you know, is this is this a breach of, um, you know, any kind of like policy that we might have or is this something that's deemed unprofessional? So, Jack, it sounds to me like um, you're someone who's quite proactive in your relationships and that maybe, you know, if, you, if you're getting along with someone, then you'll kind of, you'll probably chase them up, right? Yeah, I am um, <laughs> definitely with the one that I am still keeping contact with today. I am um, at uh, it takes work to keep that momentum going after six years because in that case, we we all know that friends can um, get different priorities in their lives and um, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so it's 
really nice that, that one particular example. I definitely see um where it could be like oh, you're you're a good person, but like I don't think it's a good idea for me to keep a professional relationship with you because I might be moving overseas or might be moving states and stuff like that. Yeah, that must be that must be hard when I guess um, circumstances sometimes change a relationship as as opposed to just the relationship changing. And as you say, it could be moving jobs, it could be moving out of the state, and then I guess it's up to you to and the other person if they want to to try and keep that um, relationship. And you just mentioned um, social media as well, so I imagine that that's probably been a has that been a helpful platform for you to continue relationships sometimes yeah just to see how they're going and how they want most of the support workers I have worked with want to keep in contact with me popular <laughs> That's a, I think that's a really good note to end on because you're talking about how um, important it is to be able to connect with people when you're a person with disability who requires support. And you've really spoken a lot about how um, important it is that, you know, support workers are able to tune into you and that you're able to, if you would like, when you have a really nice connection, be able to um, keep up a friendship with them after the fact as well. And it sounds to me like you mentioned that you use um, – um, music to kind of break the ice with things, but it sounds to me, and and knowing you, that having a sense of humour is probably um, a really important way to sort of um, to get to know people and get through the awkward stuff. Yeah, well, I joke around with my support workers on a regular basis. It just keeps it a nice working relationship, and for them to say. Oh, I'm going to work with Jack today. I'm going to have a good day. That's what you want, isn't it? That is what you want. Well, thanks, Jack, for joining us today and sharing some really great insights into relationship between support workers and a person with intellectual disability. For those of you listening, thank you as well. So please join us next month for our episode on LGBTQIA plus relationships from the perspective of a person with intellectual disability. Until then, take care. You can support our podcast by leaving a review to Apple or your listening app of choice. Until next month.